following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, what's going on, church family? How do you feel? Are you fe- everybody feel good today? Wow. I expected a much better response from this. Like, you got your sleep. You hopefully ate breakfast. Some of you have probably already had lunch. How's everybody feeling today? Come on. That is more like it. Well done. Well done. Hey, what an honor it is to see you in church today. We don't take it lightly that you're here. We know that in Austin, Texas, I say this all the time, the greatest city in Texas, that there's a lot of places that you could be, a lot of things that you could be doing, but the fact that you woke up, had coffee, this is what, I got to change it for each service, had breakfast, had lunch, now it's third service, yeah, and you brought your family to church, um, it, it speaks a lot to who you are and the things that you value, and so we don't take it lightly, and so I'm excited to open God's word to such an amazing group of people today, and if you have been living under a rock the last few days, uh, let me be the first to tell you this morning slash afternoon that yesterday uh, media outlets began reporting that the people of the United States have a new president-elect in Joe Biden. And no matter, no matter where you stand, no matter how you feel about the subject, I want to share with you how the big C church, not just the local church, yeah, we're, we're included in that, but the overall, how, how the church should respond. And it might come as a surprise to some of you, but it might not come as a surprise. It's going to be the same response that the church had when Donald Trump was elected four years ago. And it's the same response that the church had when Barack Obama was reelected eight years ago. Pray. That's the responsibility of the church pray. And so pray we will. 1 Timothy chapter 2 urges us to make prayers and intercession for those in positions of authority. So we will pray and we will intercede for those elected officials. Because the children of God, that's us, we understand, don't we, that the government doesn't rest upon the shoulders of a Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian. We understand that the government rests upon his shoulders. But make no mistake about it. Listen, whoever holds the title President of the United States of America needs our prayers. So we will pray. And I want to ask you this question. In in watching if you turn on the news or you open up your phone or get on your computer, any news outlet that you read or or watch, you've noticed throughout the process how divided America has been, which means for you and I that there's, there's people that you do life with. There's people that are in your communities, in your neighborhoods, people that are on your kids' sports teams, people that are in your church that disagree with you politically. So here's my question. Can you disagree politically and still love unconditionally? 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 22 that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. It's a commandment. It's not, not if perhaps you feel like it or you want. No, no, no. And the second is likened to it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is, there's a lot of options in the Bible. This one's not one of them. <laughs> you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're looking for something to do, even if you're not looking for something to do, let me give you something to do. Pray for our elected officials and love your neighbor as yourself. And with that being said, I've come to preach to you a message today entitled this, who did you vote for? I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching that message today. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. But we are six weeks from being into the new building. I don't know about y'all. Y'all, that just makes me excited. Come on. Yeah. God is good. God is moving. He's up to some amazing things. If you have your Bibles, you know what? I think it would be appropriate if we stood for the reading of the Word of God. And let me, this is not religious tradition why we stand. We, we stand because we hold the Word of God, the Bible, um, to just the highest honor that we can. And so it's a moment of reverence where we say, Lord, we're going to read your word and we're going to stand in honor of that. Psalm 33 and 22, you can follow along on the screens or on your electronic Bibles if you have that. It says this, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, as we put our hope in you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for an amazing opportunity that we have today to be in your presence and to hear you speak to us, shape our world. Use me today, God. Open our hearts and our minds for what you have in store for us, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. My real subject today, I want I to title it this, Leaning Hope. Leaning Hope. And I want to talk specifically to um, maybe a group of people. Maybe it's just one person. I don't really have clarity on that, to be really honest with you today. Um, but I want to speak to somebody who is trying to maintain hope, but everything in your world is crashing down. Like you're, you've taken a step forward, you've gotten your life together, but then something hits you and you find yourself back where you were two years ago. I want to talk to us today about maintaining hope when your personal world seems hopelessly broken. And hopelessly broken is different for every single one of us because we all live different lives and walk through different things. Maybe, maybe perhaps this is your narrative that you stood at an altar and said, until death do us part. And he or she decided that it wasn't going to be until death. It was going to be until somebody else came along. And then your marriage came crumbling down and crashing down around you. And you, you know what it is when I, when I use the word hopelessness. You, you feel that hopelessness and that helplessness. You understand what it means to try to maintain hope. To try to maintain hope in people or maintain hope in relationships. Maybe your narrative reads more like this. You were promised something at work and you did your part. You, you did everything that you could and you even went further, but someone didn't come through for you and your hopes were in that job. Your hopes were in that opportunity, 
And because it didn't happen for you, you find yourself in a place of despair, trying to maintain this personal hope when everything around you is crashing down. Maybe your narrative reads like this, that you had dreams and aspirations for your son or for your daughter, but they got connected with the wrong group, and now when you look at their life, they are everything except for what you had hoped that they would be. And you can't go back and give them their teenage years. And you can't go back and give them their freshman year at college. And you you look at their life and you know, you can identify with with what it feels like to have this moment of despair and helplessness, trying to maintain hope when everything seems hopelessly broken. And as we lean into this idea of, of hope, I wanna make sure that we're on the same page. And so for today, here, here's kind of my, my definition of, of hope. It's the person or the thing in which your expectations are centered around. The person or persons could be groups of people or, or certain things in which your expectation for the future are centered around. These are the things that we're, we're leaning into, the things that you've invested your hope into, that relationship, the group of relationships, the, the company or that profession or your ability or your good looks. In other words, it's the, the things that we, we lean our life against. I walked this week next door to the construction zone and just, just look around and marvel at what God is doing. And I it was quiet, I was the only one in there, and I, I look over and I see a, just the longest extension ladder, like it terrified me to even see it extended. I was like, who in the world would climb all the way up there? You need a parachute if you're gonna climb all the way up there. But it was leaning against one of the walls that they were, that they were building, and, and hope is like a ladder that we lean against a wall. This is, what, this is what hope is like. See, when you were born, you automatically leaned your ladder of hope into your parents, into your mom or into your dad because your hope for your future had everything to do with your parents' ability to take care of you. But as you got older and hopefully more mature along the way, you shifted your ladder from your parents to you, your ability to take care of yourself, your ability to connect with people, your ability to get a scholarship, your ability to attract attention, your ability to marry somebody that had goals and dreams similar to yours. See, we make a decision to lean our ladder of hope onto something that we think will support our hopes and dreams for our future. And I don't know if you've ever spent much time thinking about this, but this is so interesting how this this just hit me upside the head. The only time we think about hope is when we feel no hope, right? The only time we ever contemplate this idea of hope is when we feel hopeless. I don't know what it is, about, but like when things are going good and, and you're riding high, you don't think about this notion, man, I just need some hope. No, no, no. It's everything's going good, but it's when you seem to have no hope, when you're at your lowest point, that you begin to think about this, this idea of hope. And what we're we're really saying is this, that I've leaned my ladder against something that isn't coming through for me. It's not meeting my expectations, 
So the Bible is very clear. I don't think any of us would disagree with this from the Old Testament to the New Testament that we are instructed to lean and to place our hope in God. And it's what our opening scripture was about. May your unfailing love be with us as we put our hope in you. And what this is, this is such a simple message that I'm preaching to you today, but it's so, it's so simple that I think so often we miss the mark. It's saying, that, listen, we've got to learn to lean our ladder of hope against the Lord. That's what the scripture is teaching us. And I don't know about you. I, I will include you in this because we live, once again, I don't know how to say this, like, I don't know how to sugarcoat this, so just let me say it. You and I are spoiled. <laughs> like, we have everything that we want at our fingertips, right? Let's be honest. We, we can get whatever we want. We can kind of make it kind of happen. We live in the United States of America. We've got everything that we need, we can make it, we can create it, we can come up with it, but I think this is why so oftentimes we have a difficult time putting our hope in God. Because we think we can do it ourselves. And the reason that we do this is because we're the best at creating walls that seem to hold up pretty well. Maybe they're leaning a little bit in, you know, the house is kind of, but it is still standing up, right? We can, we're good. I mean, this is, this is the United States, right? We're talented. We got everything that we need. We're great at building education walls and leaning against your education. We're great at being able to connect really well and leaning against our connection wall. We're, we're great at, at acquiring wealth and having a wonderful financial portfolio. And so we, we lean against our, our financial wall that we build our personal talent, our personal ability wall. We lean against this relationships. I'm really, it really good at this, so we, we choose to lean against that. We do everything in our power to put our hopes in things that we can control, things that we can create, things that we can manufacture in hopes that the latter will hold. And here's the crazy thing. And every one of us will, will realize this at some point or another, and it will be at different seasons of our lives. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how careful you are, how connected you are, or what you own. At some point in your life, you will realize that nothing, nothing in this world is secure. And it's why God tells us, man, listen, I want the best for you. You go make money. You go acquire things. You go be great at connecting. You, you do all, that's all great. But don't put your hope there. You don't, no, 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 don't, it's not, don't put your hope in all of that stuff. And in Romans chapter eight, Paul begins to explain where our hope should be. And I, I'm gonna warn you up front that, that it's, it, it's kind of negative up front, okay? So if you hear it's like doom and gloom, I promise, like there's a good part coming, so just stay with me. Don't be like, what is happening? I'm, I'm just giving you fair warning here. But in, in Romans chapter eight, starting with verse 20, Paul goes back and he, he draws on an event from the book of Genesis. And if you've been around church, you'll be familiar with this. If not, I'll try to explain it the best I can. It's typically referred to the fall of man. Basically, it is the story of when sin entered the world. And the Bible views, the Bible views sin as toxic and fatal. And the Bible teaches that when sin entered the world, it entered as a fatal disease that impacted everything, 
relationships, creation, the relationship between people and creation, animal kingdoms, the weather, everything, sin affects. And here's, this is where it gets exciting. It's fatal, right? Aren't you, didn't you come to just be uplifted and you hear the word fatal just doesn't, just doesn't lift your spirits this morning. It's fatal, which means according to the book of Genesis, everything eventually dies. Man, I feel encouraged today. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Everything eventually dies. And this is the basis for his argument. And it's why he's saying it's always a bad decision to put your hopes in things that are of this world. This is what he's talking about. And so with that in the back of your mind, he begins in verse 20. And he says, for the creation was subject to frustration. You were subjected to frustration. Whenever you're frustrated, it's because of sin. The reason that your experience in this world can be so frustrating, why the kids won't behave, why your husband or wife won't listen to you, why the boss won't give you the raise that you've been wanting in your life, it's because sin entered the world. And so we have this frustrating experience from time to time. And Paul, Paul basically tells us, welcome to a sin-filled world where creation is subject to frustration. Verse 20, for creation was subjected to frustration, but here's what I love. In hope, here's our word, in hope that the creation itself will be, future tense. Now, this is so, this is so encouraging, liberated from its bondage to decay. Doesn't that sound just encouraging? From bondage to decay. What he's saying again is this world is decaying. Now, this is not easy to digest, but it's true, including your relationships, including your wealth, including your talents, definitely your good looks, everything has the smell of decay because this is where everything is headed. And, and here's, here's the little kind of dirty secret that's hard for us as Christians to, to admit this or to really um, understand this is that the reason that we lean our ladder against the wrong wall so often is because we don't really believe what Paul is telling us. Nah, Paul, come on, man. Really? Do you know how talented I am? Do you know how great I am on my job? You think they're going to fire? They need me. Do you know how well I can build? You know, see how I can connect with people? No, no, no. I can beat the odds, Paul. And Paul sits back and he says, oh, you think you, you can beat the odds? Let, let me get, before I get to the good news, let me finish with the bad news. You can't beat the odds. You are a living thing. And you put your hope in other things that are of this world. And everything of this world is decaying. There's no way to beat the odds. I told you you were going to be uplifted this morning. Good luck. In verse 22 and 23, he, he starts talking about this, this struggle that we have. Maybe use the word tension. This thought process that says, man, there's, there's got to be something more. There, there has to be something 
more that, that forces us to look beyond this life to say, is there a world where like relationships, there really is a happily ever after, where relationships really do stay good and healthy? Is there a world where people really do get along? And it forces us, this is what he's saying in this scripture, it forces us to look outside of this life. Verse 24, he says, for in this hope, this hope that there's more to life than the way that we're currently living it, for in this hope, we are saved. And this is, this is where the good news starts to kick in. So we're going to start taking it in a different direction. So you're going to start smiling in just a minute. Don't worry. But when you became a Christian, I got good news for you. You became linked to a bigger, better story with a much better ending than anything that you could have tried to concoct on your own. It's much better than anything you've built up in your mind. When you started following Jesus, boom, automatically your story got bigger and better and the ending was so much greater than anything that you could have dreamed up on your own. That's the hope that we were saved to, that he's speaking about. And then in, in verse 25, we, we start this transition. And he says, but if we hope for, basically he's saying there's got to be something more. There's got to be a place where sin and sorrow and death are erased. But if we hope for what we do not have, what we don't have yet, here it is. We wait for it patiently. Ooh, <laughs> patiently. I don't like to wait for nothing. <laughs> when Cassidy's out of town or not home, like my, I, I don't like to wait. And so when daddy has to cook, like the, the oven, <laughs> oven, we don't even know we had an oven. But microwave, woohoo, buddy, I can cook anything in a microwave. My kids are like, Dad, you made that in the... Listen, don't underestimate your father, okay? Just you. I don't like to wait. I'm not a patient person. But what we hear here is, listen, there is, there is something that you have to look forward to. There, there is a, a massive, this is what you were saved to. Just, just wait patiently. It means that when, when everything is going wrong in your world, that you don't give up hope that you don't throw in the towel, that when you want to throw in the towel and give up hope, he says, no, 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 wait, just, just be patient. I know it's not easy. I know it's, it's so difficult to do, but trust me, your life is going to get better. Wait for it patiently. He says, Christians, that's the thing that you have hope. You've got something to look forward to. And then in verse 26 through 30, and I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but I'll paraphrase a little bit of what, what he would tell us here. Basically, he says that God understands. What does he understand? He would, he would tell us that God understands those moments of disappointment that you have. God understands those moments of frustration that you have. God understands that from time to time, you're going to lean your ladder against the wrong wall and you're going to fall and everything's going to come crashing down on you. And you're going to feel like all hope is lost. But he says here, but, but God understands 
what you're walking through. He understands that you're disappointed. He understands that you get hurt. He understands what you're walking through. He understands. And if you've ever been in, in, in a pit of despair, if you've ever hit rock bottom in terms of, of feeling hopeless, you know, you know what it feels like to fall on your face and groan, and you don't even know what to say, but, but life has been so difficult, and it's been so hard, or you know what it is to bury your face in your couch or your chair and just weep. He says, I understand. I understand. But then things begin to move rapidly in a different direction. In verse 31, he says, I understand. He says, in response to all that stuff, if God is for us, who can be against us? In the middle of your darkest season, in the middle of the most unbelievable situation that you're walking through, not only does he understand, but if he is for you, there is nothing that you will walk through that can overtake the God that is walking through it with you. I don't know about you, but that fires me up to know that if he's with me, he may not pull me out of whatever I'm walking through, but he will walk through it with me, and that's enough for me, come on, that's enough for me to say, all right, Lord, if, if you're with me, I can make it through anything that life throws my way. Watch, watch. You're questioning still if he understands. Watch what 32 says. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He understands your hurt and your frustration and your heartache and the point being that as God becomes the focus of your hope, he says this is the place where hope will not disappoint. This is the, as he becomes, as you begin to, to lean your ladder against God, that is the place where whatever you're hoping in will not disappoint. Because here's what I'll promise you, you can, you can have all the ability in the world. You can be the smartest person in your class, get the highest education, you can make the most money in the world, you can have the best connections in the world, but I'm telling you, if you will learn to lean your ladder of hope, If I could sing, I would sing it. <laughs> Leaning against the everlasting arm, as the old song says. Listen, I can, you, you can try to lean your life against me, and I, I'll hold your ladder up, and, but, but I'm going to get tired. And my, physically, I'm not going to be able to sustain what you need and what you're walking through. Your financial wall will do the same thing. Eventually, it's going to run out. It's not going to look the same. Your relationships will be the same. Your talent will be the same. It, just, it can hold steady for a while, but eventually, the muscles are going to get weak, and they're going to start to shake, and they're going to be fatigued, and it can't hold you and sustain you like you need. God says, if you, 
if you'll just make a shift, man, if you'll just take this, this ladder that is your life and, and lean it against me, there's not a lot of guarantees in life, but the one guarantee that I'll make you is that if you will lean your ladder against him, if you will hope in him, this is the place where you will not be disappointed. Will it all work out the way that you want it to? Every No, 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 it probably won't. But it's going to be much better with him with you, walking through it with you on your side. If God is for us, who can be against us? And it gets better. It gets, I told you it ends. It ends great. This is like the big ending, like it, the, the part of the movie where the music is like, and you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You're like, what? This is that part. Paul makes a statement. He says, for I am convinced. I'm convinced. I'm persuaded. I, did, this is, I know this. With, and this is, this is the same Paul you have to understand who was stoned. With stones, just be clear there. He, he had been in prison. He had been left for dead. He had been shipwrecked three times. And he's been beaten. And he says, I am convinced. I've been through the worst of the worst. But I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Let me say it this way. Nor divorce. Nor abandonment. Nor isolation nor job loss, no broken relationships, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've been through it all. I've walked through the worst of the worst. I've experienced it all. And I'm here to tell you that nothing Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Just stand with me. I'm done. Come on, I feel there's a shift coming in your spirit today. Some of you have been leading, leaning your, your ladder against the wrong things, and you know it. And they've been letting you down time and time and time and time again. And today, maybe for the very first time, you're going to say, Lord, I, I'm moving today. I've tried all of this. I've tried, I've, I've tried it, and it's gotten me to the same place. Just a different thing, but the same result. And so today, I'm a little nervous, Lord. I've never done this before. I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen when I, when I lean. Are you going to catch me? Are you, is the wall going to hold? He will welcome you with open arms. He will bring you in. You'll feel love like you haven't felt love in a long time. You'll experience joy that you've been looking for and all that other stuff. It happens. When you lean your life against the everlasting arm. You know what? This kind of mindset, this, 
this hope when everything in your world is crashing down. This is the kind of attitude, and this is the spiritual maturity that I think we're all trying to get to. It's a person that says something like this, that you lay your head down at night and just say, God, I thank you for this amazing day. Man, this was the best day that I've ever lived. I mean, I didn't have any wrinkles in my clothes. I didn't spill coffee on me today. Everybody was nice to me at work. I parked under a tree, and there was lots of birds, and there was no bird on my car. (laughs) Amazing day. Lord, I thank you. I trust you. I choose to lean my life against you. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Yeah, but then it's also on the nights that you lay your head down at night. You bury a child. We buried a 13-year-old girl this week, passed away from cancer. I was blown away. The faith of a mom and dad. Through the middle, through the middle of the worst season of their life. Are they perfect? No. But their life was leaned against an everlasting arm. That's how I know they're gonna be okay. It's not gonna be perfect, it's gonna be tough, but God's got them. It's in those moments where nothing, God, everything's I lost my job today, Lord. What am I to do tomorrow? My spouse won't speak to me. I don't know what's happening. But Lord, through all of it, my hope is in you. I trust you. And I thank you for being with me. When your hope is in him, it's when hope will not disappoint. So here's what I want us to do as we close our time together today. I wonder, I wonder what it would look like if you took a moment and just not, don't just rush through this. I want you to think about it. it, Maybe you're brand new to church. Maybe you've been in church your entire life. And it's easy if you have been in church forever to just say, oh man, yeah, I lean my hope against God. Maybe you do. Maybe, Maybe that's a front that you say, but really... It's easy for you to lean your life against something else. And I want you to be introspective for a second and think about it. And I want you, I want you to allow God, because God's so good at this. If you'll ask, he will. He'll reveal it to you. You'll know. He'll bring it to your thought. He'll bring it to your heart. And you'll know what it is that you, your natural tendencies to lean towards. And I want you to identify that. And then maybe for the very first time, some of you in this room will say, God, I choose today to lean against you. You are the only thing that will not disappoint me because everything else in this world is decaying. Everything else is dissolving. Maybe you've been in church a long time and you're ready to recommit it. Maybe you've been in church 30 years, but you've been leaning on the wrong things. Today can be your day. So as I pray, I wonder what that looks like in your life. Why don't you ask God, what is it in me? What is it in me that I lean against? So Lord, right now, God, I thank you for my friends today, Lord. Thank you for this amazing group of people who have opened their hearts to be receptive to your word today, Lord. And I know, God, I know your presence is here because I feel your spirit in this room. 
And Lord, I'll pray for me personally. Lord, if there's things in my life that I have, to, have a tendency to lean against, Lord, would you call me out on that? Would you bring those to my attention? I want to I see that. I want to know that. Reveal that to me right now in this moment. And Lord, for everyone in, in attendance, everybody watching in the lobby, everybody watching online, I pray that you would begin to just drop some things into their heart and into their mind right now where they know what their tendencies are. But we also commit right now, Lord, that we're tired of leaning against something that can't hold us up. We're tired of leaning against something that keeps letting us down. And today we choose to make a shift. And we lean our ladder of hope up against an everlasting arm that will never fail us, but will be with us through everything that we walk through. Bless us today as we strive after you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And somebody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now here's your homework, okay? Let's go back. I got three kids in school, so homework is life. Here's your homework this week, because you will. This is, this is the way that it works. This tension, you're going to feel this natural tendency to lean your hope against things that are comfortable, that you're used to, that you go to. And when you feel that, I want you to recognize it. And I want you to call it out, and I want you to make a decision that says, no, not right now. Not, not, not right now. Not today. I'm going to keep my hope leaned against the Lord. And listen, it's small decisions like that over time that lead to greatness spiritually. You do that one time a day, then two times a day, and then three. Before you know it, it's just a way of living. Man, man, my hope used to be in all that. And I used to be, man, that used to be natural. But now it's natural for me to lean my hope, my ladder against the Lord. And I'm telling you, you will start to see spiritual success in your life, spiritual momentum. Doors will begin to open when you understand that a life leaned against him is the most stable life that you could live. So, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for my friends. Bless us. Give us a great rest of the weekend. Bring us back online Wednesday night, but in the house on Sunday. Keep your hand on us as we go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Air high five somebody on your way out. We'll see you next week. God bless you.